from the center of the universe and the home of your Grey Cup champion, Toronto Argonauts. It's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough brought to you by Something in the Water Brewing. Ben Grant joined once again by JB as we get set for the Argos to start the 2023 regular season. Listeners, I have a favor to ask, and I so rarely ask favors of you, but this is an important one. Support products and businesses that support the CFL, your local team, and CFL content that you love. So if you enjoy listening to our podcast, X's and Argos, you like reading JB's report cards, all of our content, you need to buy some beer, buy it from something in the water brewing. You got to get your hair cut, go to the business barbershop and spa. You want to sign your kids up to play rise flag football. That's what you want to go and do. And so all of our sponsor information, you can find it all on xsandargos.com. Please support our sponsors because they make our podcast possible. JB, it's great to have you back this week. I was all on my own last week, <laughs> rambling like you wouldn't believe. You were without a voice. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm feeling uh, much better than I was last week, and uh, I'm ready to ready to ready to get it going. Good, because I couldn't even take a drink last week. I could, I just, I was worried about stopping talking, so I was just completely parched by the end of the evening. And we got a, a huge show today. Uh, we've got in our news and notes section, Jamal Peters returns to the Argos. Enoch and the 2022 Argos uh, were inducted into the Toronto Sport Hall of Honor. The Grey Cup rings were revealed. AJ Olette was wrestling, which is amazing. And we've got uh, some comments directly from AJ on that, which is pretty cool too. And then we've got a game preview. The the opener, the Argos home opener, the, the banner unfurling, the, the rivalry, uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats. So we'll get that set. And we've got OCDC brought to you by the Business Barbershop and Spa. We've got one thing, predictions, Put me down for 20 and CFL picks, all that more coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. JB, news and notes, Jamal Peters returns. Uh, initial reaction, like this This is one of the biggest yeah. things to happen to them, right? Huge, absolutely. To to add him to a position that needed, um, needed some support, both with injury and guys who have left. Uh, to roll him back into that squad is incredible. Uh, I mean, it, it, I, don't, I don't think it should be understated. I mean, it absolutely is adding a potential all-star to the secondary. Um, I, I'm sure the Argos are over the moon. I'm over the moon. Yeah, it's 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 a massive signing because he was he's in the conversation for their best defensive player last year. I don't think he was. I think that was Winton McManus, but he's in that conversation. We felt really good about this defense coming in. And like you said, like the only real question mark was we weren't sure about the secondary, especially with Robert Priester getting banged up to get to bring in a guy who may have been one of your best defensive players, an all star from last year, the league's interception leader. And you're just plugging him in to the one spot where they really needed a guy. It's it's perfect for the Argos. And do you think it's you think it's possible for him to play this week? Is he going to plug and play and be out there Sunday? I, I would sure, of course. I, I don't think they've made any radical changes to the playbook. Um, I would bet he absolutely starts on Sunday. And I think he should be in fantastic shape. He's coming off OTAs for the Atlanta Falcons. He knows the system. He knows Coach Mace. He's familiar with everybody that's on the field next to him. So, yeah, I absolutely expect him to be out there Sunday. And that will be a huge boost. JB, I've got a massive opportunity for our listeners. We've been waiting for this for a while. Something in the Water Brewing, our title sponsor, is offering you, the X's and Argos listeners, something that nobody else can get. We've been talking about Longboat, the pale ale that was inspired by Darius Bladek, the uh, beer that was created specifically for Toronto Argonauts fans. It's ready and it's ready just for you. Here's why and how. So Friday night, they are putting it on their secret tap. And the only people in the entire world, other than the people that work there, that know about the secret tap of Longboat Pale Ale is anyone listening to X's and Argos. So I'm going to try and get down there at some point on Friday night, uh, grab a pint of, of Longboat. And throughout the weekend too, no one except X's and Argos listeners are going to know about that secret tap. All you got to do is just go in and, and order Longboat. And you can mention that you heard it on the podcast, but you don't even need to because they'll know 
because it's not advertised anywhere. It's not on their menus. It's nowhere. It's just here on this podcast. So, JB, you're going to go down there with me on Sunday. We'll go pregame uh, something in the water. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It's it's perfect, right? Because it's just it's steps from BMO Field, steps from Lamport Stadium. We'll drop by there. Um, you know, maybe grab some food, maybe grab a, a quick drink. Uh, say hi to you if you're there, of course. Uh, drop in, say hello to us, and then we'll make our way to the game and and see Argos Ticat. So it is a perfect plan for this weekend. Get yourself some Longboat Pale Ale. Um, yeah, you won't. You definitely won't regret it. We've been waiting for this one for a long time. So, JB, Enoch and the 2022 Argos were inducted to the Toronto Sport Hall of Honor. I, I think this was such a, a nice thing to be able to do. The The Grey Cup team, It's it wasn't a great year in Toronto sports. And to, ha- to be reminded that, hey, you know what? There is one team that is winning, that has been winning, and it is... Uh, you know, carrying the banner for everyone else. Uh, and so it was nice to see the the Grey Cup winning Argos honored. And nice to see Enoch Mwamba, of all people, especially, you know, being a, a guy that's, uh, you know, that grew up in, in Mississauga, not too far from Toronto, to be inducted to the Toronto Sport Hall of Honor was, was pretty cool. The other big announcement this week was the, the Grey Cup ring uh, revealing, uh, unveiling. I don't know how to word that. Yeah, I would say unveiling. Unveiling. And so uh, first we saw some, actually it was a pretty cool video. They, they've got so much stuff. If you go to the the Argos Twitter account, I think is the best place to find like all of it together. You can find stuff on argonauts.ca as well. But on their Twitter account, you can go from like one thing to the next. There's a great video with a sort of uh, unveiling um, made by, by Baron Rings, who makes the rings. Uh, but then they also have a, a really handy guide that shows you what everything means. And from having like designed a few championship rings, I know the players don't always know every detail and what everything stands for, but nothing's by accident. Every single, every diamond, every curve, every word that is on the ring has a meaning. And then even underneath the rings, for all championship rings, it's it's pretty customary now to write a little slogan or perhaps something of importance uh, on the underside. And, you know, just for example, um, on the shank of the ring for the Argos ring, it says 1-0, and and that was basically their mentality uh, as they got into crunch time at the end of the season was to go 1-0 and every week. And so that's on the ring. So, yeah, again, nothing's by accident. It's a really cool ring. And we've talked about this enough already, but it's worth reminding you, the first 10,000 fans that get into BMO Field on Sunday are going to get a replica of one of these rings. And even the replica rings look outstanding. So that's, yeah, a, that's I mean, a pretty nice thing. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I know if the Raptors did something similar uh, with their home opener after they won the championship. And I like that it's kind of an MLSC vibe. And I think it's a really fun uh, take-home gift. Sometimes, you know, the things, you know, a hat or whatever, you kind of throw in the corner of your closet but i think having that uh having that ring is a really kind of fun way of celebrating the opening of the season i'm i'm all for it it's a really cool giveaway so be in those first 10,000 to get there to make sure you pick up your ring aj olet wrestling so before <laughs> before we get into the greek town wrestling experience uh, that aj was a part of jb is there anybody that that was more likely to have been in a wrestling match on the Toronto Argonauts than AJ Olette? No, um, <laughs> I would have him definitely number one. It's not even um, close. I, I wish he'd adopted Juggernaut as his wrestling name, but uh, I think for sure, I mean, probably Oakman as uh, as a heel. Uh, I think he lends himself as to, you know, to, to the bad guy. Um, I think he could definitely be an imposing figure. I would... I would pay to see Oakman wrestle Alette. That would be something. That would be something. The only other guy I could think with of, like Mwamba Enoch, would as be refer- with Mwamba as referee. Mwamba as referee. Now Enoch would be a great face, like uh, sort of the the baby face versus heel um, from the the wrestling uh, verbiage. I don't even know if they still use that terminology or not. I, I haven't really followed wrestling, but yeah, seeing that video come up on social media of AJ Olette. <laughs> wrestling and so I reached out and, and got a bit of backstory on this I can tell you a little bit about it so it was something that he was trying to do last year that was something that they just couldn't quite get their schedule to work out Jock Sampson who uh, he was he was kind of representing he was in Jock's corner for this match uh, so Jock is from the Plains or Athens Ohio where uh, AJ went to school 
And so, yeah, they'd, they'd hooked up about this idea and they were going to you know, try and do something last year. Didn't work out. Finally, the timing did. And so the initial plan was for him just to be in the corner and just kind of be representing there, uh, you know, maybe waving at fans, so maybe, maybe signing some autographs. I don't know. I don't really know how the indie wrestling scene works. But AJ gets there and decides, you know, we got to do something more than that. And if you haven't seen the video, man, it's spectacular. So AJ near the end of the match, it's Jock Sampson and, and Trent Gibson. AJ throws on his Argos helmet and uh, gets in the ring and uh, spears Trent Gibson to the ground, <laughs> then takes off his gray cup ring, gives it to Jock, and Jock, as his finishing move, punches Trent in the face with the gray cup ring uh, and, of course, pins him for the one, two, three. But, yeah, it was epic, and AJ is every bit the wrestler that you you know he would have been in that scenario. And I think it's pretty cool that uh, he also mentioned uh, that this is, I don't know how serious he is on this, but I think kind of that once he's done with his long and successful CFL career, maybe wrestling would be something that he would look into. And we know other CFL players have gone on to do that. I would love to see AJ in the wrestling ring once this is all done. He's the perfect guy for it. Yeah, he, uh, you know, it, it definitely... Uh, it did not seem out of character. I think it's pretty funny. You know, he he's definitely somebody who who doesn't take himself overly seriously, despite his focus on football. Um, yeah, it, it it's great to see personality. I mean, we've talked about this. This is a team that is not just a bunch of boring Maple Leafs. This is a team that has all kinds of interesting, charismatic people, and you know more they can get that out there to people i think the better because they're definitely the most interesting mls team yeah and aj like we we know we talked about his emotion too and just how he wears it on a sleeve you remember the first time that we talked to aj olette in in post game where you know we were, we were sitting there going through the different players that came out to talk to us and then we sort of look over and, and AJ's over there sort of uh, like uh, William Shatner doing Rocket Man in this sort of, uh, um, you know, haze in the side of the room. And, and he was he was so because he had fumbled in that game. And I think they lost the game. And I think it was a, cl- a tight one, as I recall. And he wore everything of that entire game emotionally with him. You could tell the the passion, the intensity that he had and his on his, his honesty and his answers were just so. It's just not what you get typically from from professional athletes. They they block that away and you get the same cliched answers. And that's not what you get with the Argos. It's certainly not what you get with AJ Olette. So, yeah, I love the personality in this locker room. All right, JB, it's time to tee up the game. The Argos opener, Ticats v. Toronto Argonauts. This one's going to be pretty cool. If you can get down there, there's still tickets available. Uh, it's going to be pretty busy uh, because of all the things going on. First of all, you've got Ticats fans in town. Second of all, there's going to be a ton of Argos fans there because of the fact that this is the Grey Cup winning team. This is the banner reveal. This is the uh, banner unfurling ring reveal, whatever we decided on. All that other stuff. It's going to be... Uh, a, a pretty electric atmosphere and it's father's day to go along with all that so yeah a lot of reason to get out for the game the other one that's interesting and i think this is something that that we're maybe going to talk about when we get to predictions and ocdc and the other segments but this is huge for hamilton because we know how slowly they started last year and how that came back to haunt them They're 0-1. They got blown out in the first half against Winnipeg, crawled back, got a couple lucky bounces, but didn't look great. If they drop this game to the Argos and go 0-2, it's going to have people panicking a little bit, even though it's so early. It's way too early to panic, but people will, and people are going to start talking. And it's just not easy as a player when, when that's all you hear and every question you get is about the slow start and what's wrong and why isn't the team gelling? Why aren't they coming together? This is a massive game for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Yeah, it, it lets Toronto be in the same position they were last year, which is having the rest of the division kind of dig a hole uh, at the beginning, I'm I'm all for it. I uh, you know I think it makes it huge. Hamilton is probably, in in my opinion, the their competitor for the division lead. If you can drop Hamilton to zero and two, uh, that's a terrific, that's a terrific step. I I really think it uh, 
it can have a season uh, changing impact to be able to kind of put Hamilton behind behind the eight ball, especially, you know, you have a new quarterback and what's it going to be? Is this going to work? Last year wasn't that successful. The great cup is coming. The The more they lose at the beginning, the more pressure that's going to be on them. That, that only works out for, for the Argos. It's time for OCDC. OCDC is brought to you by the Business Barbershop and Spa. The Business Barbershop and Spa invites you to experience Etobicoke's premier licensed men's grooming lounge for hair, face, and body care. They're celebrating 10 years in the Kingsway. And the first 50 clients who book a service will be entered into a draw to win 200, a $200 gift card. All you got to do to be part of that gift card draw is mention Argos all about the business when you book your service. So you need a haircut, call them up, the business, barbershop and spa. Uh, they're in the Kingsway area. It's super convenient there's a there's a ton of parking available around there it's right on the subway line don't forget to mention argo's all about the business to be entered for that 200 dollars gift card draw all right jb for new listeners ocdc is a segment we've been doing it for a long time now jb's got most of his experience coaching on the defensive side of the ball most of mine is on the offensive side of the ball so we decided we would look at every matchup and plan an offensive plan for both the home and away team, and then do the same for the uh, defensive side of the ball. So I'll start things off first. We will start out with the visiting Hamilton Tiger Cats, where we will be the coordinator for both of those teams. I'll start out on offense. So my plan offensively for the Hamilton Tiger Cats is pretty simple. They've got to take short passes and just live and die with that. So this is this is the concern for Hamilton coming into this game. Their offensive line, I expect to be pretty banged up. We don't have injury reports as of yet because they play on Sunday. Injury information hasn't started coming out yet. I think their O-line is in a pretty bad way. Just judging by the last game and seeing, you know, players that, that look like they were laboring a little bit or just didn't make it through the game outright. Um, I think there's going to be some trouble on the offensive side of the ball. We know Toronto's defensive front, their front six is just sick. And there's not going to be a lot of running lanes. There's definitely not going to be a lot of time to drop back and pass. And we know that traditionally Coach Mace employs uh, more of an umbrella style defense, plays a lot of cover four. And so the passes Toronto's going to give you, it's that a little bit of that bend but don't break style. They'll give you the stuff underneath. And they're banking on the fact that you can't go all the way down the field like that. You're going to get frustrated. You'll suddenly take a chance. And Jamal Peters or Deshaun Amos, someone's going to pick that ball off uh, deep downfield. Maybe a Darius Pickett. And and that's what they're banking on. And it, it almost always works because you get frustrated. The key to Hamilton succeeding in this game is they just can't get frustrated by that. That's their ticket to win. They have to just accept that they can march down the field six, seven, eight yards at a time, completing these short hook routes against the zone. You're almost certainly going to see you. No, Toronto's not going to throw a ton of man coverage at you. And so run your short floods, run your your short bunch concepts, take the, take the flat routes. And Bo is the right quarterback for that. He's patient. He's smart. And the only time you go over top at all for anything is if the Argos DBs start to show frustration, if they start to get antsy at the fact that you're totally happy completing those short passes. But that's, to me, the only offensive game plan for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I just don't see a lot running the ball. I don't really see much point running the ball. As much as I like I like Butler, I like some of the, the things that Hamilton can do offensively. I just don't think this is the matchup for it. Take the short passes. JB, where are you going for Hamilton's defensive plan? Yeah, I I don't uh, I don't envy Hamilton in terms of trying to figure out how to stop Toronto. Um, I guess you would have to go with a kind of I don't think there's anything to be learned from the exhibition game. Certainly, um, I think you'd have to go with a kind of generic plan you would have against a quarterback who doesn't have a lot of experience. In that you definitely want to send a lot of heat. Um, you want to give them a lot of different looks in the secondary, probably more more moving parts than you normally would have, because I think you're really looking to see um, how fast is this quarterback reading. My guess would be, as any quarterback doesn't have a lot of experience, there's there probably one read, maybe two. 
So if you can make that first read confusing, um, you can really get a young quarterback rattled. Yeah, so like if I'm trying to stop Chad Kelly, I'm, I'm definitely want that first look to be as confusing as possible. And I definitely am bringing more heat than I normally would. And until he can show me he can handle the heat, um, then I would probably turn it down. But until that point, uh, that's probably how I come out in that first quarter is is bringing extra people, bringing them from different directions. Uh, how good is he at picking up um, the blitzer? How good is he at at identifying overloads? Um, or, you know, how much does he hand that off to the center? Uh, you know, I'm curious about all that stuff, but I think a kind of generic young quarterback, even though even though Kelly's not young, he is young in CFL experience. And, and you know, the Hamilton DC and coaching staff are not young. Uh, they are very experienced. So I am guessing he is going to see um potentially some things that he is not expecting um in terms of in terms of coverage and i believe uh, uh mr chris edwards will be fired out of a cannon and i would identify where he is on almost every snap because i think he's going to be coming a lot early i think he might too uh, i've got a plan for him and we'll deal with that in a minute but you know what your plan sounds like to me which i, I think is a really good plan because Hamilton is going to be playing Toronto a number of times this season, as they always do, I feel like you you know the you know that scene in Jurassic Park where it's revealed that the that the Raptors uh, systematically are testing the barriers of their of their confinement unit and because they're intelligently trying to find a weakness. I feel like like what you're saying is going to be a little bit of that with Chad Kelly. There's just not a book on him, right? And so start send different things, try different things out, and and see see if you can find out there's something. Hey, hang on, he didn't look so comfortable when we did this. Yeah, I would I would make that first quarter incredibly uncomfortable. You you absolutely do not want to give him easy completions, checkdowns. Uh, I'm playing you know tight, tight, tight on the checkdowns. And, and and essentially force him to earn the respect if he can if he can move to his second look and if he can you know if he can throw with that heat then you then you have to go into a into a different defense but i i certainly would not give him that respect until he earns it i'm really excited about seeing chad kelly i know that's sort of off segment but i think this is a, this feels like there's a there's a Christmas morning element to this where the Argos have all these new toys and we were sort of like shaking boxes a little bit that's what preseason was and we kind of have an idea but you know all the all the new ads not just Chad Kelly but the the new ads of like Aramalade and Pickett uh, and Williams and then uh, of course um, Jamal Peters back too um, there's there's some excitement there, uh, but I really am interested in seeing Chad Kelly in this game. I think that's going to be, I think, I think it'll be pretty telling. I think we'll get a lot out of his first performance, even though I don't typically put a lot of stock in a first game. I think, I think there's some interesting stuff we're going to see. Let's switch to uh, the good guys, JB. So uh, my offensive plan for Toronto, um, I kind of got two plans here. And similar to the plan for Hamilton. I don't think Toronto should actually run a ton. Uh, I'm I'm not a huge fan of running the ball anyway in the CFL, but I just don't feel like this is the team you're going to have a ton of success running against. I actually really like Hamilton's front. I really like Jameer Thurman. He was one of my favorite middle linebackers last year in Calgary. And you could see why in that game with, with Winnipeg last week. I, I love them as a run-stopping unit even though they had their struggles at times against Winnipeg. So I think you're, first of all, looking for the air. And I think what I want to target is the boundary side. So you've got JV and Elliott, who was playing corner last week, Kenneth George Jr. Uh, I, I don't know. So Kenneth George Jr. was was in at uh, the halfback spot and you had um, uh, Tande Adelike at safety. But I'm not sure if Adelike is going to be good to go or not. He got banged up in that game and Katsantonis came in. And I know that the Argus have tried to pick on Katsantonis before when Adelike has been out and he's actually played really well. But the truth of the matter is Katsantonis is not as good as Adelike. I think Adelike is 
one of the top two safeties in the league. And so if he doesn't play, that has to be an area of focus. And so if we're just looking to pick on safety, then I want to see high lows on the safety. That's one of the most difficult things to defend, make him make decisions. But I think bigger picture, if you've got if you've got Kenneth George Jr. and you've got JV and Elliott over to the boundary side and Katz and Tonus, all three together, that's something you have to exploit. Not because they're not good. First of all, JV and Elliott may turn into an excellent CFL corner. I think he probably will. Kenneth George, I like too. But between the two of them, I think they've got two years experience and really not much in the way of gameplay. And they just don't have time together. You know, you know, one of them's a rookie, one of them's with Calgary, one of them's been in Hamilton backing up. Put those guys in positions where they have to communicate with each other. So routes that travel through zones. You're going to have to run some deep drops. You're going to have to drop Kelly deep. You're going to have to really rely on protection. I don't mind bringing a back in to help with that. But something to buy Kelly time so that you can have receivers traveling from outside in, from inside out, and forcing George Elliott, Katsatonis, or Adelike to communicate and, and be efficient in their communication. I think that's where there's going to be breakdowns. The second part of my plan is Chris Edwards. We know how good Chris Edwards is, but I think we got to use that uh, if we're Toronto to our advantage. So Chris Edwards, you know, is going to be going for the ball. You know, he's going to be going for sacks. And I think he can be baited uh, on double moves. Anytime you can get Hamilton in man coverage, and they will, they'll show cover one. They'll they'll quite comfortably run that with Edwards out on whoever he matches up with, because we know Edwards can run with pretty much anyone. That's where you trigger your double move. And he's, I, I guarantee it, he's going to cut in for that ball. He's going to try and undercut that route. You turn it up into a wheel or a hitch and go, whatever it is, try and isolate Edwards in man. Go for that double move. Go for that home run. You've only got one shot at it. That's it. But I think it's it's there to be had because he is going to be absolutely fired up. JB, what's your Argos defensive plan? Uh, Winnipeg did not look uh, that great against Winnipeg, which which will happen when you play Winnipeg. Uh, so it's hard to tell. Um, Butler actually ran really well. They just didn't because they got down so big so early. Uh, they didn't use him a ton, but he he actually ran really well for them. So uh, I think that I have to concentrate on stopping Butler. I think that he is a problem. You can't let Butler get going. If they can get the play action game going and they can they can earn um, you know yards on the ground, I think now you're now you're in trouble. Uh, I'm I'm fine with letting uh, you know Levi. Uh, try and beat us. I, he, he didn't show me anything that didn't make me think that he was coming on to the end. Uh, you know, you're looking for Tim White. He clearly likes throwing to White. I think you're you're looking to to double White, and you're looking to take away the Butler run. And and after that, you're in pretty good shape. I, you know, I think from from a Hamilton perspective, they don't they don't have a ton of playmakers. I'm I'm circling those two names and. If they have a third player that beats us, then I'll tip my hat. But uh, I'm I'm not going to let those two players beat us, and then we'll we'll roll from there. Yeah, I wonder if Tim White is even going to be a hundred percent. Like he looked um, a little worse for wear at the end, so uh, that'll be interesting to monitor throughout the week. Uh, that Hamilton offense may have that injury report when they first. Uh, it'll be like Thursday and Friday's injury report that we're really interested in. But I mean, there... and I think there are picks there to have off Bo Levi. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not necessarily going to blitz him a lot. He's a veteran guy. He's seen a lot of looks, uh, but I'm definitely looking to try and move him off his spot, get him get him rolling out, getting him moving on the run. Uh, he you know his arm is not a cannon. I think that if you get him on the move, uh, there are picks to be had when he is he is trying to make a play because he does look to make plays downfield, and I think that's where you can get a. Um, you know, a, a defensive backfield that that's looking for it's not the defensive backfield we had last year, but I think you're looking for picks. And I'd love to see is this the game? You know, you and I have talked about is this Argo defense going to be the bend don't break model, or is this going to be the ferocious eight? And I'm I can't you know I really hope it's the ferocious eight. I I really hope we're getting linebacker blitzes and we're getting a lot more games up front. Um, cause I think they have the personnel to do it this year. 
So that that's certainly uh, that's certainly a hope for me that that we we see a very different Argo defense than maybe Hamilton is is ready for. I'm wondering if Toronto is going to be able to bully on the inside the way Winnipeg did because you notice yeah, like how uncomfortable Bully by Mitchell looked last week when Winnipeg was able to sort of take away that shelf. Uh, and and there was nowhere for him to step up, like because he's totally comfortable being a veteran quarterback. He's yeah, totally you, comfortable. Got to move out of that. You can't let him sit in that pocket. He'll nickel right. and dime you to death. Yeah, and and guys flying around the edge don't bother him because he just like steps up casually and makes a throw. But when they were right on his doorstep, uh, that was something that made him look a little bit um, uh, skittish. Isn't really the right word. He never really looked skittish, but he didn't look nearly as comfortable as as when guys are flying around the end. And <laughs> oh he had God, <laughs> identify Edwards. I never mind the mic. Identify Edwards. If he is in the box, he is coming. Chad Kelly, look out for him. Yeah, I think Edwards is going to have the game of his life. But that's again, yeah, that's but, why you but can he, exploit he, that. he won't have the game though. He's going to have a half. Like you just have to watch out for him in the first half. It's like when he decides to use his turbo button sort of thing. Yeah, he doesn't he usually doesn't have like a full game, but that first half, oof, identify identify him and move your protection accordingly. Let's do one thing. Um my one thing for this week is again, I, I feel like I'm cheating on one thing uh, this year a lot, and we were, we haven't even played a regular season game. But this is again sort of several things together. My one thing is I want Chad Kelly to be 65% or better for pass completions. <laughs> oh, I know yeah. that's that's a sure, lot to ask. Not? It's a lot to ask, but like it's I'm not saying 80. Uh, it's certainly possible. Um, yeah. But I think that's a big thing for him. I want some consistency. I just don't want to see him go for home run after home run. I, I know that his style is a little bit more hot and cold, and, and he's probably not going to end up with that completion number at, at the end of the season. Actually, it might be, I, I said that it might be there because he's, he's, got, he's got such good control. But he does throw it into tight windows, and that's where you see your incompletions, where it's just, it, it, they're just not balls that are as high percentage as, as some guys will throw, there's a greater reward to it, but more risk to it as well. So I want to see from this game a little bit of consistency from Chad Kelly. I want to see him string four or five completions in a row. And at the end of the night, I think if Chad's at 65% completion, I think the Argos win the game. What's your one thing? Well, I'm I'm a big fan of nicknames, and there are not many cities in the world that can have a sack exchange and I would love to see Toronto come out and have four sacks with an aggressive front eight and and grab the mantle of the Toronto sack exchange. So the sack exchange would be the nickname of like the Toronto front six. That's that the... would yes, or right. or even even uh, more than six if they roll a couple more people into it. All right, sounds good. The sack exchange. All right. Yep. There's um, only there's really only two cities in North America that can have it. So I, I, I really would love to see it. I think we have the personnel uh, to do it that we didn't last year. I don't know. What, I don't know if it's ready to be unveiled or not, or even if the defensive guys have that in their head. But I sure hope they do. What just to, for any new listeners? JB loves nicknames. Uh, we've got uh, Sean Oakman is CN Power. AJ Olet is Juggernaut. Are there any others that I'm missing? Uh, that's it currently. You got to earn it. I don't just give them out randomly, but, uh, yeah, I think when the guys are, when the guys are flashing, I do like to shut them out. Let's do predictions. JB, how is this one going to end? I, I like Toronto to win. Uh, Hamilton coming back from a really tough physical game in Winnipeg on the road. Toronto's at home, rested, uh, home opener, Got the you got the rings being handed out. You got the flags. Toronto is relatively healthy, uh, coming out of camp. I like Toronto uh, thirty-five, Hamilton twenty-four. I think this is going to go the other way, and I thought this from the the moment I saw the schedule come out. And I think it even more now. And I want to be clear on why I think the Hamilton Tiger Cats are going to win this game. Toronto is the better team. I don't think there's any question about that. In my mind, Toronto is a much better football team than the Hamilton Tiger Cats. At the end of the day, Toronto will be there at the top of the East. But there are things that can go wrong in any individual game. And I think this is one of them. 
this is this is the perfect recipe for disaster. And again, from a coaching standpoint, I have lived through this. I have gone into season opening games where uh, we were being celebrated or highly touted or ranked high in the nation's rankings or whatever it was and uh, lost or got our doors blown off, whatever the case, because there's no pressure on the other guys in that sense. There's just anger and building frustration. And Hamilton's a good football team. I just want you to go into the heads of the Hamilton Tiger Cats for a minute. They were just shellacked in Winnipeg last week. They haven't won a Grey Cup since 99. They're hosting it again this year. They're going to travel to play their hated rivals. And they've got Chris Edwards, Ja'Garrett Davis, <laughs> plus 10,000 screaming Hamiltonians or however many make the, the, the trip down the QEW. And they're going to sit there in the beginning of the game and watch Toronto unfurl their Grey Cup banner. Everyone in the stadium is going to be showing off their shiny Grey Cup rings, which the Hamilton players don't have, Chris Edwards, Ja'Garrett Davis aside. Uh, and... All of that's going to be going on. It's going to be Toronto's night. And there is going to be a rage boiling inside of Hamilton. Plus, add to that, they're desperate. They need to win this game. I talked about that earlier, about how important this game is in the in the game preview we did. They need this. Toronto doesn't need this right now. It would be nice. It would be great. But Hamilton needs this. And Toronto's a better team. Hamilton's desperate plus angry equals uh, an upset victory. So I have Hamilton winning this one 28-25. Again, I when I look at the I look at it on paper, Toronto should win in every way you look at it. Toronto should win this game. But the emotions that are involved make me think it's going to go Hamilton's way. All right, JB, it is time for Put Me Down for 20. And before we get into this segment, I want to remind listeners that while gambling can be a fun way to enhance your sports viewing experience, it's important to do so responsibly. Set a budget, never bet more than you'd be happy to lose, an amount that you'd view as the cost of entertainment. And if you or anyone you know develop a problem with gambling, you can call the Ontario Problem Gambling Helpline. It's one 230 3505. JB, I missed having you for this one last week because this is a new segment for us and I'll explain to listeners. Uh, but we got your bets in last week and, and you had a, a winning week, uh, as did I. So how this is going to work every week is JB and I have 20 units to bet. And I'm going to expand on units in just a moment. Maybe we can come to a consensus on this. But we have 20 units to bet every week. One of those bets must be Argos related, unless they're not playing. And the other bet has to be another CFL bet somewhere around the league. And we can divide it however we see fit. And so last week, uh, I had uh, 10 units on Toronto to win the Grey Cup at plus 650. So that's a futures bet. Obviously, that won't be decided for a while. And my other bet was on the BC Lions to beat Calgary uh, outright at plus 145. And that was a winner. Um, and so coming into this week, I still had that one bet on the books and I had uh, 204.5 units. JB, uh, you put your futures bet on Chad Kelly with the most passing yards at the end of the season. I love that bet at plus 850. I think those are great odds. I don't know if, like, he's not the favorite to do it, obviously, not in my mind, not in the sportsbook's mind, but that those odds, plus 850, is is uh, pretty solid. So yeah, I, think I mean, that's a cool I, bet. I just think, you know, he that, that doesn't, you know, he may throw interceptions, but he is going to throw the ball down the field. Uh, and I don't really feel like there's anybody in the CFL who is going to put up crazy numbers. There's a lot of a lot of old names kicking around the league. So, uh, you know, I think we have the hot young quarterback. So let's go for it. And then your other bet was a winner. Uh, you had, this was an obscure one. You had Winnipeg Hamilton scoring <laughs> more points in the second half than the first half. That's such a weird, like, gambler's bet. But uh, it was a winner. It was a that, winner that second half was electric in, uh, in Winnipeg. I, know, I would have liked a little more juice on it, but that's all right. So uh, you're staying at 201 units, and we both uh, got a bit of um, 
uh, we both have a play still out there. So let's go into what we do this week. But before I do, um, so uh, Will from the Argos Fancast, and if you don't listen to the Argos Fancast, you've got to listen to it. Add that to your podcast repertoire. Um, between between X's and Argos and Argos Fancast, we have you covered in every possible way. I think we complement each other's shows beautifully. So please do give them a listen. But Will was saying he wanted something more creative than units. Um, and suggested sandwiches because you and I have talked about how we used to bet sandwiches when we, you know, when we first. Uh, <laughs> I had forgotten we've we've been on the uh, the air, so to speak, so long. I had forgotten that we had referenced that long ago tradition. We did, but we, that's what we used to do. We'd make a wager. We'd bet a subway sandwich on things, <laughs> uh, obscure stuff. Um, or uh, you suggested golden fleeces. Yes, the, the my mythological uh, bent. I, I I still vote for golden fleeces, but I'm fine with units. I would characterize my my interest in this debate as low. Yeah, as per the usual, I'm more intrigued by this than you. All right, well we'll stick we'll stick with units for now. Maybe we change it up to sandwiches. I don't like golden fleeces. There's only one golden fleece. You can't bet like twenty golden fleeces on something. Well, who says? Who says we can't? Well, all right, let's get to it. So. Uh, I'll go through my bets first and then you go through yours. Um, so my Argos bet, and I'm going to go heavier on this Argos bet, uh, Andrew Harris under 58.5 rushing yards. And um, this is at uh, minus 110. This is what I like about this bet. It's not that I don't think Andrew Harris is going to have a, a good game. 58.5 rushing yards when you're dividing the ball is a lot. And I think the carries are going to be divided. I think the Argos backfield is pretty healthy right now. I think you're going to see a bunch of AJ Olette. I think you're going to see some out of a some, some leak. Uh, and I just don't think Harris is going to have a ton of carries at the end of the day. So 58.5 yards, I think is high. So I'm going to put 15 of my 20 units on that one. And with the other five units, I've got an exciting parlay going on here. Uh, for a, a potential big score, I'm putting five units on Winnipeg minus 5.5 and uh, Edmonton to win outright. So um, that will uh, pay off pretty handily if that comes true, if Edmonton can beat the BC Lions, which I think they're seven and a half point dogs. So that seems pretty unlikely, but that's my pairing for this week. Where are you going for your 20 units? Um, I hate, although I appreciate the sharp value of betting the under, I will never have an under bet suggested. I hate betting the under of anything. Um, I am not going to support Edmonton. They can go to hell after that fourth day, the three downs on the goal line, uh, last week, just disgusting demonstration of loser football. I cannot support them at all. So, uh, all that aside, uh, my Toronto bet, I am going to go with the Argonauts to win uh, between one and six points at uh, plus 340. I like I like the Argos to win um, just under a touchdown. And uh, my other one is same kind of vibe. I'm going to cheer for the Red Blacks. I think the Red Blacks are going to win at home between one and six points and they're at 450 over over Calgary. I don't think Calgary is anything special and now they're down a running back. Um I I I, I did think about the Saskatchewan play because for some reason they decided to get their starting quarterback hurt in the final play of the game. Uh, I'm not I'm not totally sure what they were thinking there. Um but uh, I'm going to go with Ottawa and Toronto both to win between one and six points. When I saw that play, and those are, those are 10 units each, right? You're yeah, 10 that units unit? each. Okay. Yeah, when I saw that Saskatchewan play, I because I, I saw it developing. So they cut to a sideline shot. There was, uh, time was going to be whistled in. They cut to a sideline shot, and I could see, I don't remember if it was Kelly Jeffrey, the OC. So it was, I think it was Kelly Jeffrey, and he was motioning, uh, sort of miming, like what was going to happen, that you're, you're going to like throw the ball. Uh, essentially trying to burn clock that's what that play was right so it's a third down scenario they were up by four at the time i kick a field goal there to go up by seven yeah but the play was what what they wanted to do what uh the coaching staff and kelly jeffrey i guess wanted to do on that play is burn clock that's the only thing that makes any sense they thought 
they could get the clock to read zero at the end. Because if you couldn't get the clocks to read zero at the end, there's no point in doing any of that. Because five seconds, two seconds, one second, it doesn't matter. They're all the same thing at that stage of the game. So it means you're calling a play to try and burn time. You can't burn a lot eight of, seconds. That's a lot of time to burn. No, you can't. It's just there's not enough time to burn that on a play where you no. know no, that the other I mean. team's sending much. Right. It just didn't make sense. And so when I saw him miming this, I looked at the play clock and I'm doing the math. Like they're going to snap the ball with eight seconds left. They're going to have to roll him out, which is putting him in harm's way. You know Edmonton's going to send heat because you do at that stage of the game. You have to. There's That's all you've got left. And there wasn't enough yardage on the field. They were too close to the end zone for this to be the furthest pass you could ever possibly throw. You know, throw like a 70-yard bomb or whatever. That's just not enough to uh, to burn that clock. And so I knew there was going to be, especially on the road, you're not even dealing with a home clock operator no. either. And, and he took a huge shot. And I mean, my concern beyond like him having a lacerated kidney because he like flew through the air and then landed uh, on his kidney hip is I really hope it's, it's not a hip injury because that can be season ending and, yeah, it, and it career looked, ending. It looked brutal. It looked like he got hit by a train. Uh, he, yeah, was, like, he got thrown through the air and landed like on his yeah, spine. Yeah, so like if he has a hip injury, that that could be it. Those are those are seemingly seemingly like I've I've seen players where like you're like okay, you know that's not that bad, and then that's it. They're done because they just can't they can't recover from the from the injured hip. It's one of those areas that you got to be really careful about injuring because uh, you can you know, if, if it's subluxed, he might be uh, subluxed out of a whole season. Yeah, and we're hoping not. They've been pretty coy about it so far in comments to the media today. I, I guess yeah, Mason Fine. Yeah, that's not a great sign either. No, well, Mason Fine was taking snaps, and they sort of, I, I guess, kind of, you know, shrugged things off and they're like, no, no, it'll, it'll, it'll be okay. Um, but until I see him taking uh, snaps, and yeah, I, I he guess was, he was, he was throwing and stuff, but he was writhing on the ground in pain. It didn't look good, and so no. until we see him out there, not just out there playing, but out there and playing the way he can play, like actually moving around yeah, a little no, bit. I agree. It was uh, the, the whole final two minutes of that game made me bonkers. Well, we'll know this week, uh, and maybe this is a perfect transition for us to get into this week's picks. All right, JB, I went three and one last week. You were two and two this week. <laughs> Outrageous. Outrageous. Edmonton didn't win that game. That's all I'm going to say. Once again, um, my picks are are not representative of the games that happened. Yeah, this was what you said last year every week when you were <laughs> one and three and yeah. I was three and one. <laughs> I, those are the three worst goal rushes I've ever seen. It, it looked like they had never practiced it. They brought in a quarterback who clearly is not interested in being a short yardage quarterback. He is, though. He's good no, at it, typically. Ba- ba- what, uh, maybe you read his diary. Not on anything he did. No, but we we saw him do this last year, like and actually have some Terrible. success. But it was he, bad. You know, he's like lets the line run, then he runs, and then they tried to run it outside. Ugh. The last All play right. was bad, and there also may have been an offside on that last play too. But relive it. Yeah. Uh, it was, okay, you want to go first? It was not good. Yeah, let's go through our picks. So, uh, Calgary at Ottawa. Uh, I have honors. Uh, I'm going to take Calgary. I think. Uh, I, I think you know both teams were a little disappointing last week. I think Calgary's issues are easier to fix. They had drop balls and just weird miscues that you don't see Calgary make, and I think those are pretty easy to remedy. Ottawa's problems were that they didn't have good quarterback play, and that is no. not as easy a fix. So I think Calgary wins this one. Yeah. Uh... That's 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 probably the smart bet. I'm gonna go Ottawa at home. I think they I think they can do it at home. I I didn't see much in Calgary, uh, but you're right. That was that was the Arbuckle show, and I don't I don't think that's I don't think that's gonna get it done. But I am still gonna pull for Ottawa at home. Winnipeg at Saskatchewan. Uh, people are panicking about ticket sales in Saskatchewan. It's been a long time since we've heard that as a problem, but I know it's been going kind of viral this week. People looking at ticket sales and how many are available for what should be one of the biggest games of the year uh, for Saskatchewan. But um, yeah, I just, I think Saskatchewan's in a bad place right now. I think they were pretty lucky to beat Edmonton last week. I think Winnipeg is a much better team. I don't think Winnipeg is going to sleep on 
a 1-0 Saskatchewan Rough Riders team, I think they're going to come in and blow the doors off Saskatchewan. I think it's going to be over quick. So I've got Winnipeg. Ooh, wow. Uh, I went back and forth on that. With the quarterback issue in Saskatchewan, I'm going to go Winnipeg too. Uh, on the road. Uh, go look, going into Saskatchewan is not easy, but um, Edmonton has improved, but Saskatchewan still should have outclassed them and they didn't. Uh, I like I like Winnipeg on the road. Edmonton at BC. Uh, this is my upset play of the week. I think the Edmonton Elks are going to beat the BC Lions this week. And my rationale for it, again, is a little bit of psychology and emotion because it, on paper, it shouldn't be a contest. But Edmonton and BC are way closer than I think a lot of people realize. This is not the same as last year. Edmonton is a much better team than they were last year. BC is not as good a team as they were with the Nathan healthy Nathan Rourke BC Lions. And I think both BC, I, I think BC is going to forget that a little bit. They are riding high. They beat Calgary in Calgary and good for them. They played great. They looked awesome. They are a really good team. I think uh, with the home environment, all the celebrating that's going to be going on there, they can say all they're going to say. They can say all the right things. They can try and be focused. I promise you, the BC Lions are going to overlook the Edmonton Elks. Now, will that be enough for the Elks to steal a victory? We'll see. But it's going to be a tight game coming down in the last few seconds. I think Edmonton pulls it out because they're they're not they're not a terrible team. They're not good, but they're way closer to the pack than I think most people think. Yeah, it's a fair trap game. They've got Winnipeg next week. I'm sure the coaching staff is more concerned about that road Winnipeg uh, game. But I, I I would even put a side bet, a side sub bet on this. I think BC wins. I think they win big. So I like I like BC by two touchdowns here. That's very bold little, of you taking the side, little seven side and a half Sando point action. favorites uh, to win. Um, very good. The seven and a half point favorites you think will win big? Yeah, yeah, fourteen. All right. Um, let's get to the last game of the week. We've already gone through our picks, and that's Hamilton at Toronto. Uh, I think Hamilton wins this one. You have already picked Toronto, so that wraps it up for this one. JB. Football is finally here. We're a few days away from being down there at BMO Field. So, um, yeah, it's it's been a long offseason. It's felt like a long preseason, and we're finally going to get at it. Uh, I, for one, couldn't be more excited. We'll be down there at... Uh, we'll be down there at Something in the Water Brewing pregame. Uh, we'll get there nice and early and get our spots set up uh, for yeah, the game itself. Yeah, going to be really nice. Yeah, everything about it is going to be fantastic. Again, uh, you know, one final CFL question mark about, <laughs> I don't know who designs the game times for the Argos. I don't know about this Sunday night game. Nonetheless, it's going to be a good one. That will just about do it for us on this episode of the X's and Argos pregame walkthrough. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long, and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya.